From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, March 15th. The Mountain West has some of the world's most famous ski resorts. And there's a push for more diversity on their slopes. Efforts like the recent National Brotherhood of Skiers Summit at Vail or the Blackout Weekend at Lake Tahoe. Curtis Booker with our partners at KUER reports on an initiative in Utah. From locking ski boots into bindings to gliding along the powder at Alta. It's Christina Miller's first time skiing. Seeing people on the slopes that look like me was important to me because, you know, it's no secret Utah lacks diversity. Miller works at an investment company and has lived in Utah for 16 years. As a black woman who lives near Salt Lake City, she was waiting for the right opportunity. So through my company, I heard about this program with Ski Utah, and um, I thought it would be a great way to experience the slopes. According to the National Ski Areas Association, just around 10% of the population on the mountains is non-white. That's why Ski Utah has invited Miller and others to Alta. Miller's no stranger to winter sports. She's an avid ice skater and occasionally gives lessons. But skiing is different. Even on the way to the mountain, she was having second thoughts. I pretty much tried to talk myself out of it on the whole bus ride up here. Those butterflies were short-lived. Now it's time to get on the ski lift with her instructor, Lucas. It's a little windier. So when we get up top, you know, we're going a little quick, but we got on slow. The chair is going to slow down and we can just gradually glide forward, pull off, maybe toward that green sign on the left. You see it? Is it steep? No. And she's off. This year, Ski Utah's Discover Winter program welcomed 140 ethnically diverse participants to take skiing or snowboarding lessons at resorts. The program is free of charge thanks to donors, and that makes a big difference for many people trying the sport out for the first time. Nana Afum moved to Utah from Ghana 13 years ago. Like Miller, Afum had always wanted to learn to ski, but it's not cheap. To get to the ski resort, it's a, it's a challenge, right? Uh, getting the equipment, the gear, receiving the money to spend on this. To think about getting a ski pass could be pretty expensive. So, He participated in the program last year and loved it so much he returned as a volunteer to provide a little moral support to others. Um, tell them my story and be like, hey, I was in your shoes last season and now I'm able to ski um, Sunnyside and a couple of the big mountains. Raylene Davis works with Ski Utah. She says their goal is to promote more diversity in the sport and build confidence in those who lack experience. I want everyone who lives here to be able to enjoy those mountains the way that I'm able to enjoy them, regardless of their ethnic background, their um, any background. The experience isn't just for building connections on the mountain for new ski lovers. It can also help others rediscover their passion. Faith Amin grew up in Salt Lake City and learned to ski when she was younger. Getting back on the snow as a grown-up was no easy feat, but Amin thinks it's worth it. Yeah, I feel like we got to get more color out here. I feel like more people should do it, more culture should do it. It's, it's fun. We shouldn't have fear holding us back, you know? Fear something that almost kept Christina Miller from participating in this ski lesson. But she is glad she was able to check the sport off her bucket list. 
I asked if she was afraid of going down the first run. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, but my instructor was really comforting and very patient. Um, and that really helped me get down the mountain. Miller plans to continue lessons with an instructor on her own time to get more comfortable with skiing. And she's not alone. Raylene Davis says 80% of last year's participants said they would continue either skiing or snowboarding. Reporting at Out to Ski Area, Curtis Booker, KUER News. That report is from our partners at KUER in Salt Lake City. Conservation groups in Utah and across the western United States are requesting protection for the pygmy rabbit under the Endangered Species Act. Alex Gonzalez with our partners at the Public News Service reports. The petition sent to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says the world's smallest rabbit is at risk of extinction because of habitat loss and disease. Utah conservation biologist Allison Jones says the pygmy rabbit population has been on the decline for many years, with Utah, for example, having alarmingly low occupancy rates between 7 and 13 percent in areas outside the northern portions of Utah. Jones says the small mammals aren't likely to bounce back because of the continued degradation and fragmentation of the sagebrush sea. The pygmy rabbit as an obligate of healthy functioning sagebrush ecosystem is kind of a canary in the coal mine for the Intermountain West sagebrush ecosystem. And the ecosystem is in big trouble. Jones says the loss of the pygmy rabbit's habitat is being threatened by more intense fires, invasive plant species, climate change and drought, as well as development and extractive practices. She calls the confounding effects the perfect storm that could lead to the disappearance of the pygmy rabbit in portions of the sagebrush sea. In addition to habitat loss, Vera Smith with Defenders of Wildlife says a new virus has also heavily impacted wild rabbit populations, with the pygmy rabbit being no exception. Smith says if the Fish and Wildlife Service concurs that the pygmy rabbit population data is alarming, she says groups like hers would like to see a coordinated strategy across the western U.S. to enable the tiny rabbits to recover. For us, one of the very important things that that recovery strategy would hopefully point to is that we need to be more deliberate about protecting habitat and connecting habitat across the sagebrush sea. Smith says the Endangered Species Act listing would offer the best chance at protecting not only the small rabbit, but also its rapidly vanishing habitat, seen by Smith as vital for species recovery. I'm Alex Gonzalez reporting. New research shows we have a short window of time to change how we manage forests before climate change makes it too difficult for seedlings to grow after a wildfire. Emma Gibson of the Mountain West News Bureau has more. Researchers around the West studied the regeneration of some tree species in more than 10,000 locations. Philip Higuera is a co-author on the study, and he says when it comes to forest regeneration, right now the number of trees dying in wildfires outweighs the impacts of climate change. As we turn the knob of climate change, and particularly warming and drying, Increasingly, what we're seeing is that it doesn't matter if there's a seed there or not, you're not going to get regeneration. He says if we change how fires burn by thinning forests and using prescribed fires, we have a chance of keeping our forests longer. That's if we also reduce climate change conditions. Right now, there are a couple billion dollars in federal funds going to wildfire management on national forest land. For the Mountain West News Bureau, 
I'm Emma Gibson. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, March 15th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.